And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz, and we are back. Uh, we've been away for a couple weeks now, um, kind of been under the weather, unable to uh, host the program for the last couple of weeks. Uh, but tonight, we're going to do what initially was planned, uh, the Why Truth Matters episode number 585 here on G220 Radio. Uh, Mike is not with me. Mike will be taking some time uh, as he is in the process of getting re-situated um, in his in his home there in Kentucky. And so he won't be back with us for a little while. So pray for him as he's continuing to uh, get settled in down there. Uh, but we are excited to be back here on G220 Radio, and I hope you are excited to be with us here tonight. Um, if you uh, have any suggestions of topics that you would like to hear us cover in the future on G220 Radio, you can send us an email at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, that's g220radio at gmail.com, and we would love to hear from you and uh, hear any suggestions that you may have. And so tonight, as I said, we are talking about why truth matters. Truth is vitally important. And I, I see this often in my conversations with whether it's people online, it's people on the streets, it's people that you interact with when you run into them at a grocery store. Regardless of wherever it is, there's an idea that is out there that it really doesn't matter what you believe because truth is subjective. No, my friends, the reality is truth is not subjective. You cannot live that way. You know that that's not true because it violates the own uh, your own understanding of what truth is. If you were to say, well, truth is subjective, you can never tell anyone that they're wrong. And nobody lives like that because they know that truth matters and absolute truth can be known. Uh, we may not know all things because we are not God. There is only one who knows all things. That is God who is all-knowing, omniscient. And so therefore, there is only one God, but we can know the one who knows all things and therefore have the mind of Christ, have the wisdom of God that is given to us because Christ is the, the power and wisdom of God. And so when you are in Christ Jesus, you can have wisdom uh, and the mind of Christ that comes with it. But uh, we cannot, we cannot let those tell us that truth doesn't matter. Because again, no one lives as if it doesn't. They may say it, but they don't live as if it does not matter. Uh, and it is any kind of lengthy conversation that will bear its way out because it's just impossible for them to suppress it so much so that they're unable to show you why truth doesn't matter, because they will stand by their guns to defend their points of what they believe to be true. But I want to look at this tonight as we look at why truth matters here uh, on G220 Radio, and I want to consider a few things. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, it says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, so these Jews that believed in him, he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know 
truth, the truth, and the truth will set you free. Later on in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the, tr the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So Christ is the way, he is the life, and he is the truth. And no one comes to the Father except through him. He is truth. His word is truth. And those who abide in him know the truth, and the truth will set them free. And so we want to we look tonight at some things that are important as to why it is uh, important that truth matters, why truth matters is important. And so I've got a, a list of things that I want to talk about tonight in dealing with this, because there are many false ideas out there. There are many false religions, false ideas when it comes to these different uh, religious beliefs that it is important for us as Christians to be able to defend the truths from the scripture and be able to recognize some of these things that are false, that would come and seek to pervert or twist uh, the very words of God. And so the first one that I want to look at here tonight, number one on my list is false gospels, false gospels. And so you're going to see me looking down quite often here because I got my notes and so I will be looking down, but false gospel. Any so-called gospel that presents a different message than the message that was given to us through Jesus Christ and through his apostles, you know, Paul and the other apostles, and in his word, any gospel that is given that is contrary to that which was given to us by Christ, and again, by his apostles, Paul and Peter and, and John, that which is different, is contrary to it, is no gospel at all. Paul tells us that in Galatians 1, 6 through 8. He says, um, you know, that he's, be, he's who has bewitched these Galatians who, who are now turning to a different gospel as if there was a different gospel, but there is no other gospel than the one that they have been handed down from Christ and his apostles. There is one gospel. And so this gospel, it is important, and why truth matters is because the world will seek to find ways in which, and even from those who profess to be believers, professing to be believers in Jesus Christ, even they are at times you're going to find them perverting this gospel message and presenting a false gospel. And so some of the things you want to look at when looking at what is a biblical gospel, the true gospel, in comparison to a false gospel? And so the, 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 the true gospel is this. Jesus Christ tells us that those who believe in him will not perish, but they'll have eternal life. Paul lays this out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and he says that this is that which is of first importance, the gospel that Christ died in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and on the third day He rose from the dead in accordance with the Scriptures. Paul goes on to say that if there is no resurrection, then our faith is in vain. Our, we're running this race. We're, we're seeking to, to, to live out this faith that is in vain if Christ has not raised from the dead. And so the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Also, Included within that, and I should have started with this, is, is the life 
of Christ. So the life of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it is so vitally important that we uh, um, that we understand that this gospel message is under attack, and it has been under attack since the very beginning. Why? Because Satan wants to pervert the Word of God and twist it so that people don't get saved. So what are some of the ways that we can look at as, as these false gospels that one might seek to present or uh, bring before you to, to twist and to pervert and to confuse people from hearing the true gospel that Christ died to save sinners on the cross, he was buried and rose again on the third day, uh, defeating sin and death, proving to be exactly who he claimed to be, God in the flesh, the Son of God. Th this is the false gospels that you need to watch out for. Number one, number one, okay? Salvation by works. Salvation by works. Now, this is a, a legalism. Uh, this is a, a false gospel. Any gospel that says that you must believe in Jesus plus do these things to be saved, hear me, to be saved is a false gospel. It's a false gospel. Salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. Okay? It is not grace through faith plus your works that merit salvation. Salvation is a free gift from God, and it is granted to those who believe in Him by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way in which man can be saved. So this salvation by works or this legalism is a false gospel. It's a false gospel to put upon people works in which they must do to be saved. Hear me. Works in which they must do to be saved. And you're going to find this. If you think about this, one of the things that I do when I'm evangelizing on college campuses and I'm, I'm speaking with students who say, well, why your religion? Why Christianity over every other religion in the world? Whether it be Islam whether it be uh, um, uh, Hinduism, uh, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, whatever the religion may be, the, the, the so-called Hebrew Israelites, what is it that differentiates your religion and theirs? It's simple. Salvation is a free gift from God by the grace of God through faith in Christ, and that is it. That is how one is justified. There is no works that justify you. Every single one of those other religions, every single one, whether it's Islam, whether it's the so-called Hebrew Israelites, whether it's Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, Roman Catholicism, whatever you want to throw in there, other than biblical Christianity, they always add works to the gospel. Whatever their gospel may be, uh, they always add works to it. Always. Always. It's always man striving, man working to achieve salvation, working to achieve the, the greater whatever they're seeking to get to, nirvana, or, or whatever afterlife in that religion is, is uh, promoting. 
it's always accomplished and achieved by man's work. That's not biblical Christianity. It's not biblical Christianity. Again, salvation is a free gift from God. What, what a glorious, gracious gift from God that he sent his son to die on a cross to save us from our sin. Not that something we can work for or that we can merit on our own, because the Bible says none is righteous, no one seeks after God, no one can earn their way into a righteous standard before God. Salvation is a free gift. And so this first one here, when we're talking about false gospels, is adding works to salvation. Salvation by works, this form of legalism, uh, is a false gospel. Now, that I said that, and I, and I, I wanted to make sure you understood many times I said that your works do not save you. Because this is the next one that falls under this false gospel. It's known as antinomianism. Salvation that does not work. Okay? So hear me. I want you to hear me. You're not saved by works. Your, your works can never save you. But genuine saving faith produces in the one who is saved by their faith, through the grace of God, to do good works. As it says in um, uh, Ephesians 2.10, that we are His worksmanship, that He has prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So man is not saved by doing works, but a saved man will work. Works are the evidence of a genuine faith in Christ. They are the, the product of a faith in Christ. So I want you to hear me. Legalism, salvation plus works, or salvation by works, does not save you. But a salvation in Christ brings about works, not antinomianism. Antinomianism, that, that's, that, there's often that charge that is given to uh, Christians uh, that we believe that once you become a Christian, you can just go on and living in sin. But the Bible says, Paul writes, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. No, we, we, we don't do that. We, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't live like that. We shouldn't live as Christians as if God has never gave, given us a command to obey. But we also have to recognize that that command given to obey is not the foundation of our saving uh, our justification for salvation. It is Christ that is the justification for our salvation because Christ has saved us by the grace of God through faith in Him. And that's that's it. But this other idea here of, of antinomianism. But I want, I want to go back because I kind of jumped the gun. Just excited to be back. And, but a few uh, verses that I want to give you for this salvation uh, by works and this legalism. Um, that we're not saved that way. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Galatians 2, 16 says, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. 
since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Okay, see, this is why it's so important, because no one is justified by their works. Not justified by that. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Titus 3, 4 through 5 says, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which, which, deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. And that is that we are not saved by works. Now, coming back to where I was speaking on this antinomianism, that we are now that one is justified, that they can't just go on living in this lifestyle of sin and living as if there is no law, as if there is no commands to obey, that we profess faith in Christ with our lips, but live contrary to that in our hearts. No, you, a Christian, though not perfect and is being sanctified over their life, will continue to grow. And the more that God is exposing sin in their life, they will repent and turn from that and be more conformed to the image of Christ, continuing to grow, continuing to grow over the life of their walk with the Lord. But it doesn't produce a salvation that does not have works. The salvation, again, man is justified by Christ, through, by the grace of God through faith but it doesn't produce antinomianism. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Mm, lawless. And what is lawlessness? What is lawlessness? It is sin. It's a transgression of the law. That's what sin is. And so it is not that we can um, think that salvation does not work because works are the fruit of a justified life in Christ. One who has been justified by Christ, they will produce works. As I mentioned earlier, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, James 2.14 through 26. James 2.14 through 26. Let me turn there in my Bible because I did not write that down in my notes because it was a longer uh, passage. So I just figured we'll go right here in the Bible and read it right out of here. I am reading the verses, but uh, some of them I did um, put on my my notes already printed out, but um, some of them for the larger portions, like I said, they're here. But you can follow along in your Bible uh, because the Word of God is truth. It is truth. And so uh, chapter 2 of James, verses 14 through 26. Let's, let's check this out. So 14 through 26. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, 
Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead, right? That's what it's saying here. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Now, this is often used by Roman Catholics or sinless perfectionists to kind of prove that well, they'll say, see, it says that man's not saved by faith alone. But the Bible is clear. As we read some of those passages earlier, and there are so many more passages that we can look at that man is justified by faith. Justified by faith. But that the faith in which a man has will produce works. And James is not contradicting Paul and other passages of Scripture. James is saying in a practical way, because James is also this, this New Testament book of wisdom. We, we know that the, the Proverbs is Old Testament wisdom literature. And James is giving this, us this practical wisdom that this is what faith looks like in of the life of a believer between you and me. Because he says, I'll show you my faith by my works for, for you to see. Not that God needs to see. God, when he saves one, justifies them. God already knows those whom he has saved and justified. And then is, as the Bible says, he who began a good work will bring it to completion. He will finish it. He will bring us to that point of completion and, and, and finish that uh, and bring us to complete sanctification. Uh, in this life, uh, uh, when we come to that culmination, when Christ returns over this life, I should say. And so what James is saying here is on this level, not between me and God, but on this level between me and you, me and you, brother, or me and you, sister, that by my works, you will see my faith is genuine. Not a, a manipulating of works, but out of a genuine love for God and a genuine love for the fact that you've been saved and changed and transformed, it will produce in you a desire to do good works. So when one goes to feed the homeless, to, to feed the hungry, to clothe the poor, when one goes to do these things as a believer, for those believers, it is coming out of a heart because they genuinely care for others and they want them to know Christ. They want them to see and experience the love of Christ. And so therefore they are loving on those individuals by doing something and meeting a need at the same time, not just meeting the need, but giving them the most important thing, that gospel message that Christ came, died, was buried and rose again on the third day to save them from their sins. And so this 
is what is being laid out here uh, before us. Is that we are not saved uh, in this gospel of antinomianism. It's not a it's not a true gospel. It is an unbiblical gospel. The next one that we need to look at is that salvation is for everyone. This is a false gospel. This is known as universalism. Okay, universalism is a false gospel. Matthew twenty five forty one through forty six says. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And verse 46 says, And there, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Mark 9, 44 says, And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands and go to hell to the unquenchable fire. Okay, so what we see here is there's this, this teaching given to us by Christ himself that speaks of this place called hell, or this place where there's this eternal fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels, and those who will be cast into it as well, as we will see here. So when we go to Revelation chapter 20, Revelation chapter 20, verses 10 through 15. It says, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw the great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So it is clear in Scripture that there is this place of eternal conscious torment. I know there are those who want to argue against this, want to try to uh, refute this idea that the Bible speaks of hell. But Christ has spoken of it. We've only, we've only looked at a few verses, but Christ has spoken of this. We see this here in Revelation as well, this place that's prepared for, prepared for the devil and his angels, and also all those whose names not found in the book of life. That we cast into this, this, this place of torment, day and night, forever and ever. And that's a serious, serious, serious thing. And so, therefore... This idea of this false gospel of universalism is just that. It's a false gospel. It's intended to make people believe and think that, why do I need to worry about what it is I believe? Why do I need to follow the Christian faith, follow Christ? Because, hey, it's all going to come out in the end. Everybody's going to be saved, universalism. No, that is a false gospel, my friends. It's a false gospel. And so... 
that is something that we must recognize and understand that when it comes to the number one point here that we're looking at and as why truth matters, because there are false gospels in this world, false gospels, ones that add works, ones that say you can just live a life of antinomianism, no law, and ones that say there's universalism. Everyone is going to be saved regardless of whether they believe or not. But the Bible says, and Jesus says in John chapter 3, that unless a man is born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. Unless he's born of water and spirit, he will not enter the kingdom of God. And so therefore, unless you've been born again, unless you have believed in Christ, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, all who believe in him will not perish, but they'll have eternal life. But those who do not believe, they will not have eternal life. They will perish because the wrath of God abides upon them and they will come to the point when they will stand before Christ. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord and they will be cast into this eternal lake of fire because they have not believed on Christ. And so that is why it is so important that we have a right understanding of the gospel, a correct understanding of the gospel. There is nothing more important than that. Now, this next point, number two on my list of things as why truth matters. False doctrines. False doctrines is another reason why truth matters. 1 Timothy 6, 3-4, through 4, it goes on and it says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. So it is important that we understand truth that is in God's word. Now, we have to we have to understand that no one comes into becoming a Christian and knows everything right out the bat, right out the gate. As soon as you become a Christian, you automatically know everything. But there's a difference between learning things and going where the Bible leads you as you begin continue or as you grow in your understanding of God's word and flat out denying God's word. So one of the things that when it comes to false doctrines is you're going to find that people will deny God's word. We see that in our, in our um, life today, in our society today, in our culture today, where people will say that the Bible supports um, slavery. And so therefore they'll look at passages from the old Testament they will misapply things, and then they will, will say, say, well, the Bible teaches this, or the Bible teaches that. They'll deny what the Bible says in its actual understanding of its context. Uh, there are people that will say that um, homosexuality is not sin. That was for the culture in a time. Women can be pastors of, of churches. That was, Paul was speaking of a culture in a time. No, the Bible is clear on many of these truths. Now, those truths that I said may be more difficult that people will learn more and more as they grow in God's Word and understanding. Uh, the more you sit under sound biblical teaching, the more you read the Word of God, the more you study the Word of God, you're going to grow and have a better understanding of God's Word. And so as you do that, as you uh, grow and have a better understanding of God's Word, you're going to learn things and we should always be humble. 
So, so with humility, we should always be seeking to move where the scriptures lead. Move where the scriptures lead. For example, if one has a view of uh, eschatology, and years later, their eschatology, eschatology means the study of last things, their eschatology changes. Because as they've studied the scripture, what maybe they were told by someone else and just maybe took as, oh, okay, I can kind of see that, and believed it, as they begin to study, they may see, okay, no, that doesn't really fit. I don't really know how that person or that pastor or teacher came to that conclusion. And they go where the scriptures lead them. When it comes to other doctrines, you know, Calvinism, Arminianism, right? You want to go where the scripture leads because you're going to grow in your understanding of God's word. And so false doctrines is what you want to be on the, on the lookout for. And, and the more you get familiar with God's word and are under sound biblical teaching, hopefully as a part of a local church, as a, as a member, then you will grow. And so then when you see false doctrines come up, you'll be able to recognize them and you'll be able to uh, um, uh, stay away from them or avoid them or point other people out to, to avoid them, point out to other people to avoid them. One of the other things other than just denying God's word. So, so that being said, when, when somebody comes up to me and says they're a Christian and they say they don't believe God's word is true, I don't, this is me, okay? I don't affirm them then as a brother. I may say, well, you know, they, they could be. Uh, in my mind, I'm thinking they, they could be. They could just be an ignorant uh, person that, that claims to know Jesus Christ. But I don't affirm them as a brother. Because whether you fully understand everything in the Word of God or not, as a Christian, this is God's Word, and so therefore you either believe God or you don't believe God. Um, and so uh, when it comes to denying God's Word as Christians— while we may not understand everything, we should be seeking and searching, trying to understand it better to the best of our ability, to the best of our knowledge, seeking the Spirit to guide us and lead us in that, and again, having those gifts that God has given to the church to help us grow in that. Um, but to flat out deny God's Word um, is a scary thing. And so I don't ever give any affirmation to those who claim to be Christians, but then deny that God's Word is God's Word. The other thing that can happen when it comes to false gospels or false doctrines is the distorting of doctrine. Uh, and that could be done either through mistranslations. Uh, you'll see that with uh, Jehovah Witnesses and their New World Translation. They will distort uh, the, the Bible by mistranslating it um, or misinterpretations. Uh, people will uh, misinterpret some self-deceived. Maybe they don't recognize that they're misinterpreting it, but some who uh, know for a fact that they are misinterpreting Scripture uh, for their own gain. And these are ways in which one can, can uh, kind of promote or teach false doctrines. Now, this next point here, um, and we're probably going to run out of time. I think I have like 10 points, um, and we're not going to get through all of them, so we'll probably come back and do a part two next week. But this next one here is false gods. This is why it is important that we understand that truth matters, because there are so many false gods. Lowercase g. 
Because what the Bible tells us is there is only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is one God. All throughout Scripture, we are told and taught that there is one God. And the Bible teaches us that God has revealed himself to us in the person and work of the triune Godhead, person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the second person of the Trinity, the Father, and the, and the Holy Spirit. So you have one God in three distinct persons. That is how God has revealed himself to us throughout his word. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. The Father is not the Son, the Father is not the Holy Spirit, the Son is not the Father, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son. They're three distinct persons, yet one God. We don't believe in three gods. Uh, we believe in one God, one in essence, one in nature, yet three distinct persons. And so this is what the, the church has historically, the orthodox view of which the church has historically held to and believed, because this is what is revealed to us through God's word. And as I said, we who believe in God, believe in Christ, have salvation, we don't deny God's word. We may not fully comprehend something that is taught in God's word. We may not fully understand something that is in God's word, but we take God's word for what it says, what we can know, and we believe it. And so therefore, when it comes to the doctrine of the Trinity, this is how it has been historically uh, taught. Um, uh, and so therefore, um, this is the one true God in which we, we believe. But there are false gods out there. There are mythical mythical gods. Um, you, you hear them come up all the time in conversations with atheists. Um, and that is why even on my thumbnail, I put there, uh, you know, you have atheists, you have Mormons, you have Jehovah Witnesses, you have the so-called Hebrew Israelites, all have a different view of God, all have a different view of, of Christ, which will be another one of my points, a false Christ. All have a different view of the gospel. And that is why it is so important to not be deceived by so many that are teaching falsehoods, teaching things that are contrary to the word of God. And so these false, false gods, you have these mythical gods that come up in these conversations with these atheists, gods such as Zeus, uh, Roman name was Jupiter uh, or Jove. He was the sky god. Zeus rules Mount Olympus. Um, and so that is one. Uh, you have Poseidon. He's a Roman name was Neptune. He was the god of the sea, the, the brother of Zeus. Um, and even in that, when you think about this, in these Greek mythologies, Greek gods, there's multiple gods. There's many gods, which goes against the word of God, which says there's one God, and the law of non-contradiction, which says there cannot be two that are um, in, con in, in, in contradiction with each other or in, in opposition with each other. So you have these multiple gods in Greek mythology, but logically you can only have one because there's only one God. And so when you, when you think about this, this law of non-contradiction, two things cannot be opposite yet be the same. So when, for example, when you're dealing with uh, Islam and they say they believe in, in Allah and they'll say, well, we believe in the same God that the Jews believe in or, or Christians believe in. He's the God of Abraham. Um, you say no, because God is triune by his very nature. Again, one God 
in essence, yet three distinct persons. They don't believe that. It's a contradiction. So you have a different God. They cannot be the same. And so uh, all these different gods, these multiple gods, um, what is their, their way of salvation? What is their gospel? You're not going to find that in these mythical gods. Um, one, because they don't exist and they are just that, myth, myths. Uh, Odin is another one. He's the counterpart of Zeus uh, in Norse, Norse mythology. Um, all right. And then when you think about others, when you, you talk about these mythical gods, then there's human beings who have been worshipped as God or as gods. Pharaoh in uh, 331 to 30 BC, uh, Egyptian pharaohs were kings of ancient Egypt and were considered gods by their culture. Um, Chinese emperors in 221 BC through 1911 AD, uh, as, they were def defied as sons of heaven, uh, at least by some uh, Confucius, Confucianists since the, the Qin dynasty, uh, under Quinn Shi Huang. Mary, the mother of Jesus in 300 AD, uh, she was venerated as a mother goddess in the Christian sect Kali Ridianism. Kali Ridianism. And I, I didn't even know about this until I was kind of looking this up for the study for this, this program here. But this Kali Ridianism, sorry, it's a really hard word to, to kind of spit out there which was found throughout Thrace, and it was made up mostly of women followers and female priests. And so they had this idea and then venerated Mary as the mother goddess. Um, Wallace Fard Muhammad. Wallace Fard Muhammad uh, in the 20th century uh, to present is deified by Elijah Muhammad. He is also given other titles by the nation of Islam. Uh, Jim Jones, in 1955, he was the founder of the People's Temple, which started off as a part of a mainstream Protestant denomination uh, before becoming a personality cult uh, as time went on. And one of Jones' devotees claimed that Jones said, if you see me, you have seen your Savior. Uh, I'll be your Savior. If you've seen me uh, as your God, I'll be your God. And so this idea that Jim Jones claimed to be a Jesus and claimed to be their God. And so there's also uh, false conceptions of God. So not only do you have these mythical con concepts of God, you have these human beings that are worshipped as gods, uh, and then you have these false concepts of God. And, and what I mean by this is you have atheism that says there is no God at all. Atheism is a religion. Um, anytime you engage with atheists, they really want to make sure they let you know how much they there is no God, and they hate him. Um, and uh, it's it's never more evident than your conversations with them because they really have a hatred for the God they say they don't even believe in. Um, sealed, secured. Brother, haven't seen you in a while. Good to see you. He said Scientology weirdness too. Yeah, absolutely. That's another one um, that has some weird teachings as well. But these false concepts of uh, conceptions of God Atheism, like I said, pantheism, this is this notion uh, that the essence uh, of deity permeates uh, everything. The whole universe is God. Everything that is in God is God. Pantheism, panantheism. Um, 
Polytheism is another uh, false concept of gods, this idea that there is a belief in many gods. Um, and again, as we've already stated, what we see clearly laid out for us in Scripture, and again, not violating the laws of non-contradiction, which is the laws of logic, is that there is only one God. A deism is another um, false concept of God. It, it acknowledges the existence of a supreme being, but it denies the biblical concept that God is interested in or intervenes in the lives of man. It's this God who just kind of creates everything and then just kind of goes off and leaves it to its own device and, and has no uh, interaction with or isn't even interested in uh, a man that he has created uh, and on any of his creation. And that is a, a false concept of God. Islam uh, has that God is wholly inconsistent. It, it, he's wholly inconsistent, their God, with the biblical teachings of God. As I said, Islam does not believe in a trinity, and uh, there is only one God, uh, and he is the triune God. Mormonism, again, has a, a false view of God. They have this view of God that uh, God once was man, became God, and you also can once speak or once... God was once man who became God, and you also can become God and have your own spirit planets and, and spirit children and whatnot and, and populate it. A lot of weird teachings there within Mormonism. Oneness and modalism is another false concept of God. It is this idea, as I mentioned, the triune nature of God, fully God, or he is, he is by nature triune, Father, Son, and Spirit, one God, three distinct persons. Modalism claims that the father puts on a mode or puts on a mask and plays the role of the son, and then he plays the role of the Holy Spirit. So it's one just in different in different modes, um, and that is not what we see in Scripture. That's not what's taught, and and it's it's very dangerous. I think um, it's a dangerous doctrine, but it's dangerous because I, I see more and more churches that will partner with quote-unquote, oneness or modalistic other, you know, I don't want to really call them a church because they're not really a Christian church, um, but they are, they're under the name of Christianity, under the, the, the uh, they claim to be Christian. It's just, it's not biblical. And I've seen it. I've seen, I'm a Baptist, and I've seen Baptists partner with oneness apostolics. And, and I, I just... I'm shaking my head like, do you not recognize and understand the danger here? Because when you partner with them, what you're saying to the world is they're Christian. We're endorsing them. T.D. Jakes is a popular modalist, and, and so many people will promote him, will share his videos or his, his clips or uh, uh, preaching clips. And that's a dangerous thing. You know, it's a very dangerous thing. Let's see, we've got a Sealed Secured said 5% nation, the nation of gods on, on and, and earths, led by Clarence 13, uh, break off from NOI. It is interesting and false also if you haven't looked into them. No, I, I haven't looked into them, but yeah, there's I've heard of 5%ers. But there's so many out there that they have these false concepts, false ideas of God. The other one that can be prevalent oftentimes, even in Christians, is this God that we create in our own minds. The Bible calls all of these false ideas of God and all of these false gods idols, uh, and it's idolatry. But even as Christians sometimes, because we are fallen, we, we have a new nature in Christ, but we still have this old flesh that remains and, and is at war with the new nature. Again, not that we have, uh, as I've already mentioned earlier, 
not this antinomianism where we can just continue in sin. But when we do sin, we have a, an advocate with the Father who is Christ Jesus, who is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins when we confess it and we repent it. But what I, I see sometimes, and again, sometimes it's because these individuals just are not believers, and sometimes it's just in their ignorance. Maybe they, maybe they are a genuine believer who just got saved and find themselves in a church that is a modalist church or a oneness church. Or they find themselves in a church where there is this teaching that is prevalent that gives them a false view of God. And if they're genuinely a believer, the more they're reading the Word of God and, and, and seeing the character of God and who He is, the Spirit of God will pull them out of that. But this idea that people can have sometimes is this God that they create in their, in their minds. We talked about universalism when it comes to being a false gospel, that they'll say, well, you know, my God would never send anybody to hell, or my God would never do these. But you're right, that God doesn't exist. That's not the God we read about in the Scripture. And um, yeah, Sealed uh, Secured says this definitely happens. And so th that is not the God that we, we see in the Scripture. God is just, and we know that He's going to send people to hell. That's why we go and share the gospel with people. That's why we, we seek to, to, to teach people truths. And this is why the local church is so important to be a member of a local church and be participating and serving alongside. And, and because God has given us all gifts. And when you're a part of the local church, those gifts are not for you, but for the benefit and building up of other believers within that church. And so if you have a young Christian, and I say this not in a, a derogatory way, but that is maybe ignorant of the scriptures, you're able to help them. You're able to, to help them grow by using their gift. And when they come, or by using your gifts for them, and, and when they come and show something to you that is contrary to the scripture, you can say, oh, hey, brother, let me, let's look at that because I don't, I don't think that's what the scripture says. Let me, let me show you. And, and this is so vitally important that we, we understand this. Man, we, I have so much. I think I have like 10 here, um, but we're only on three. And so we're going to have to come back again um, at the um, next week and and basically kind of go through uh, this list of why tr truth matters. And I'll just give you a little um, peek into next week. We're going to talk about false Christ. We're going to talk about false spirits. We're going to talk about, um, let me get here, uh, false teachers, false uh, visions, false miracles. These are, these are things that we're going to talk about that are all on my list of why truth matters because unfortunately, there is a lot of, of false teaching out there. And, and I want to say this too, you know, because obviously there are going to be times where there's going to be doctrines that Christians disagree with that doesn't put them outside of the faith. And, and that's going to happen. I, I mentioned eschatology earlier. That may be an area where people agree or don't agree. I, I mentioned Calvinism and Arminianism may be an area where people agree or don't agree and not necessarily putting someone outside of the faith. However, when it comes to these ones that like I've mentioned earlier, these false gospels, that's going to put someone outside of the faith. If they're believing in faith plus works, that, that a man is saved by their works, that's a false gospel. If they're believing that man has no works, that, that a man justified and is, is saved with no works, that's also a false gospel, antinomianism, um, because you will produce good works. Not that those are the means of justification for your faith, but that those are the evidence or the fruit or the product of your faith. And universalism, this idea that um, everybody's just going to be saved no matter what. Nobody's going to go to hell. 
that uh, whether you believe or don't believe, whether you believe in a false god or the true god, doesn't really matter. Those are false gospels. Those are important things that we're talking about here uh, in this series when we talk about uh, why truth matters. So I don't know. Um, as we wrap up, if there's any thoughts, questions, any comments anyone would like to share, uh, like I said, we've talked so far about false gospel. We talked about false doctrines, and we talked about false gods. Uh, next week, we will get into false Christ and, and look at that. And that was really, let me give you just a sneak peek, another, another sneak peek that I thought was kind of uh, um, interesting because I was looking at some of these false Christ, and I looked up some of these false Christ figures. Um, and, and many of you may have heard of Sun Myung Moon, um, who believed he was uh, Christ, he was the Messiah. But there, there's so many things that I was just looking up as I was kind of putting this all together. And I'm like, man, there's, there's some really, really crazy things that people do to go to pervert the gospel and to pervert uh, their idea of Christ or pervert their idea of God. Uh, and it's scary. That is why truth matters. That is why truth matters. Sealed Secured said here that the local church is essential 100%. Absolutely. And there is no perfect church. But it is important for you to be in a, a local body gathered together, um, serving alongside one another, loving one another um, in that, that local church, accountable to one another, uh, because, hey, we're all growing in this faith, and we need accountability. We need brothers and sisters in Christ to hold us accountable. Um, and, and being a part of a local church and connected and committed to a part of a local church is the way God has designed for us to do that. So as I said, that's been G220 Radio for tonight. Man, I, I really, uh, I thought we would have got a little further than what we did, but we didn't. Um, keep praying for Mike. Um, he, Like I said, he is in the process of uh, getting settled in where he's at back in Kentucky, and uh, he will be back with us maybe in the end of September, maybe October time frame. But until then, it is good to be back. We, we haven't been uh, on for the last couple of weeks. I've kind of been under the weather, so... Uh, but feeling better and glad to be back with you tonight, trying to get in the, the groove of things again. Um, and it is a little difficult when Mike's not here because while he's talking, I can kind of look at other things. And it's kind of hard to do that because you don't want to just have this break where I'm just sitting here for like two minutes trying to figure out what all is going on around me. So um, thanks again for tuning in to G220 Radio tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, this was episode number 585, Why Truth Matters. Uh, it was good to to be able to um, get back into things and really talk about this because it's so important, so vitally important. So until next time, that's been G220 Radio. God bless and good night.